listening to Go Dig a Hole. This is your host, Christopher Sims. This show is your archaeology toolkit, where I'll bring you resources to kickstart your career in archaeology. If you're still in school, thinking about going back, just getting started, or want to take the next step, Go Dig a Hole has you covered. All right, now let's get on with the show. Before we get into the show, I'd like to share a quick note to you, the listeners. First, I'd like to thank all of the generous uh, sponsors on Patreon. After the last episode, I had a few new Patreon subscribers. So I'd like to individually thank Nikki Martinson, Kevin Ricks, Ryan Swanson, Rende Durham, and Brent Murphy. If you'd like to support Go Dig a Hole on Patreon, you can just go to Patreon dot com forward slash go dig a hole also pardon any weird noises you hear during the course of this episode the renovation crew at my apartment complex decided to start tearing off the siding as soon as i sat down to record so i did my best trying to uh get to the quietest place in the house which was the laundry room uh but um you know some weird noises do come through so bear with me uh i'll be in a much quieter place here pretty soon Okay, so welcome to the 28th episode of the Go Dig a Hole podcast. Today, I've got Dr. Alex Jones with me. Uh, she is the founder and director of Archaeology in the Community. It's a nonprofit group dedicated to public archaeology programs based in the Washington, D.C. area. I had Dr. Jones on the show a few episodes ago, and uh, we were covering a very different topic about... Um, the Society for Black Archaeologists, and uh, we touched on on race and archaeology. Um, this episode's going to be a little bit different. We'll uh, we'll be devoting the show to talking about archaeology in the community, and Dr. Jones has a lot of uh, cool news updates on that. So, Dr. Jones, thanks for joining the show. Thank you for having me. So, uh, just to recap, let's talk a little bit about uh, what archaeology in the community is and what all your organization does. So, archaeology in the community is an um, archaeology education nonprofit. We're based in the Mid-Atlantic region. Um, we have three programmatic tiers. We work um, primarily with youth and youth programs. We also have professional development, and that's featured in our um, teacher um, training program that we do jointly with Mount Pillar, as well as a number of internships and volunteer opportunities. And then occasionally we'll have um, programs geared towards graduate students on uh, training in archaeology. Um, and then our last tier is what we call community programs. And that is where our day of archaeology program falls under, as well as a lot more of our programs geared towards adult education about archaeology. Um, and those programs are done in kind of fun and creative ways. Very cool. So uh, I guess let's go ahead and cut to the chase since you had mentioned <laughs> the Day of Archaeology Festival. Um, I'm seeing on your website, Archaeology in the Community, oh, I'm sorry, archaeologyincommunity.com, uh, the Day of Archaeology Festival is set to go off on July 15th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Dumbarton House Museum in Washington, D.C. And uh, you've done this festival for several years, right? Yes. 
we're the only one of its kind um, in the United States. There is one somewhat similar, um, but it's more focused on the particular museum. But we're the only sole um, just archaeology all day festival in a fun and exciting way for um, families and kids. That is really cool. I've I've been to similar festivals too, and it's it's uh it's like you said they're they're similar, but it's not solely dedicated to archaeology. Like I, I went to one uh here in Portland that had you know kind of like a, a like public works and stuff attached to mm -hmm. it. Um, so what are some of the things that uh, visitors can look forward to at the festival? So Day of Archaeology Festival is um, basically one day where you can come. Um, to the museum. And it's kind of cool because the museum itself is that. It's a house museum. So the Dumbarton House is awesome. They're one of our great partners. They open up the museum so people can tour the museum and the grounds all day for free. In addition to that, um, on every area of the grounds, you will find a different archaeology organization. And uh, we kind of go after the full gamut. So we have uh, federal we have government archaeology organization, um, organizations. We have uh, state level, city level, other nonprofits. Um, we have um, the ASM, the ASV. Um, so pretty much, uh, I try really hard to pull everybody. The even the Virginia um, Museum comes out, and they have a resident archaeologist, and she highlights what um, their organization does as far as archaeology and archaeology education and the programs they have. So walking around, you will see a number of organizations. And what we do is we, um, we're very purposeful about the festival. So if you come out um, as adults, it's not like you're going to be bored because it's only geared towards kids. But if you're also a family of four, there's stuff for kids to do as well as um, for the parents. So no one's bored. Everybody's engaged. Everybody's learning about something very different, very creative, um, high tech aspects of archaeology um, as well. So whatever pretty much you think of when you think of archaeology, we do have it represented there and then some. That sounds huge. So uh, <laughs> what uh, what kind of attendance are uh, are you expecting? Um, last year, we had just over 500 people. Um, so we are definitely expecting for more. We're, we're pushing a little bit harder on our marketing aspect. So we're hoping to reach seven, 800 people in the uh, DC, Maryland and Virginia area. That's massive. That's, that's really, really cool. And, uh, so what is the, the venue, like the, the Dumbarton house is, is it all going to be like indoors or is it kind of indoor outdoor? Actually it's all outdoor um, okay. because it, the house itself is the museum. So, um, which makes it a lot cooler. Um, because you have space. So we also, um, different organizations will have, um, things either placed out on the grass. So um, last year we had one organization that was flint napping. So you could kind of sit down in the grass and um, watch that. Um, we had another organization that kind of made it a U-shaped tent. So as you walked around um, to their different tables, you saw posters, you saw artifacts. So kind of the story of the site was completed with the kind of transition around the U. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely outside. 
um, which means, and it's also July, which means please have sunscreen on. But <laughs> we do have tents up. So as you walk under the tent to talk to um, the different archaeologists, you are shaded for that little bit of time. Nice. Nice. That's that's pretty crucial for that part of the country. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's really cool. And so you uh, you had mentioned, too, that you're you're getting creative about your um, sponsorship and your, your partnering. And I noticed uh, in your recent Do More 24 campaign that you had partnered with uh, the United Way. Uh, do you have support like that for the Day of Archaeology Festival? Traditionally, with the Day of Archaeology Festival, we go after corporate sponsors. Um, so for the third year in a row, we have been um, extremely happy and excited to partner with Stantec. Um, so um, and for most archaeologists, at least on um, kind of the East Coast, Stantec is a CRM firm that does a lot of great work. Um, so they, for the third year, are um, being a corporate sponsor. We've also had in the past a few local um, dentist offices and doctors as well to sponsor it. So most of our stuff is done on the local um, level as far as sponsorship is concerned. That's awesome. And so in previous years, have you noticed that the uh, the attendance of the festival tend to be just interested members of the general public? Everybody. Um, we, we've um, tried really hard. Again, my, my big thing with this is that as archaeologists, we often talk about um, how stakeholders, you know, trying to get them um, interested, involved, excited about. And so one of the big things with archaeology in the community is I'm very um, committed to finding innovative and creative ways of getting our communities and all communities involved in and invested in um, archaeology. So even we, we take our marketing campaign the same way. So if you look at our social media sites, we have the posters up, the flyers up, of which are going to get a lot heavier as we go. We put ads in the Washington Post in D.C. We run ads on the radio stations. Um, we also put ads out on um, WIDA, community calendar, and everything else. So we try to go and pretty much pull in as many people as we possibly can um, or through the various media outlets so that we're not just getting one demographic, but we're reaching everybody in these areas. That is that, that, I mean, I can't even find the word for that. That's, that's a model for how it should be done. It sounds like, uh, so that's, that's very impressive. And so what are some of the outcomes you've seen of, um, the, the festival as it's progressed? Like, have you had, um, partnerships developed through the fest, the, uh, the event or uh, kind of more education opportunities geared more specifically to like uh, classrooms or, or certain uh, you know, school groups? For us, we definitely have more people who are interested in, um, who sign up for our newsletters, who are uh, basically watching what programs we're producing throughout the year um, so that they can be involved or their kids can be involved. Um, but for us, the bigger thing is serving as a vehicle um, or a medium for other archaeology organizations to get their information out. And oftentimes what happens is, I mean, people are walking around saying, we didn't even know this existed. I didn't know I could do this. I didn't know I could volunteer. So um, what I'm finding more so is not so much, um, we don't do it so much for us as, you know, archaeology in the community, but it's more so done to really advance mid-Atlantic archaeology and to get the word out and to kind of work as a partner and a collaborator with all of the archaeology organizations in the region. Nice. Well, that's really impressive. Let's 
talk about some of the other programs you had. I, I had mentioned in passing the, the Do More 24 campaign. And uh, if I'm understanding right, that was a fundraising campaign for archaeology in the community. Um, how did that go? We raised more money than we did last year. Um, we raised about $2,800 um, during that campaign, which is good. Because for us, that means that we can um, offer scholarships for our um, archaeology club in the fall, as well as we will have money to put towards marketing, which is like the most expensive thing for our festival coming up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. And mm -hmm. you also had, um, you recently completed a, a program in Belize. What, what were you doing uh, with that program? So for the third year in a row, uh, archaeology and um, the community partnered with the um, U.S. State Department in Belize to do community outreach programs. And that partnership um, with the um, embassy is a partnership between the U.S. government and the Institute of Archaeology of Belize. And what happened during that, we came in, partnered with the Institute of um, Archaeology and traveled around the country um, going to schools that the Institute had identified would benefit from, um, you know, education about archaeology. And all schools benefit from it, but they just identified, you know, for this particular program, um, one from each district that they thought would really um, benefit and be, you know, uh, it would help advanced kind of heritage preservation, understanding of archaeology. And um, it went phenomenal. We, we as, as usual, we got a lot of wonderful feedback, not just from the students, but from parents, community members. Um, we also did something a little bit different this go around where we held a session with customs and police officers. Oh, cool. And yeah, the feedback was wonderful. Um, one thing was uh, just letting customs and police officers know that, hey, for the past like week, I have traveled around the country with the Institute and we have given them the same message to all of the kids, which is if you see something, tell a police officer. So you're aware of what um, the kids are being told and what they're going to come to you with, you know, and then talking to them about how do you handle this? How do you work with the community? What are other ways you can kind of spread the message beyond just these particular workshops that are being conducted by the Institute? What are some things you can do in every day? So it was it was a really great community program and a really great collaboration um, between not only U.S. government talking about the MOA and the renewal of the MOA with the um, Institute of Archaeology, but also looking at how we're stepping down from the government level and these messages from the two governments are being passed through the community all the way down to the lowest level of kids. That's, again, very impressive. And so I can see that that work is so, so well thought out and constructed. So you've actually completed the entire loop in, you know, creating like a system that that harmonizes, uh, you know, because otherwise... You know, there are community programs that if, if there's not the, um, you know, the the administrative level support for it, then the system breaks right there. So uh, that's cool that uh, you've got uh, customs and police on board with that so that, you know, when you're telling the community, if you see something, say something, that uh, those officials that they're 
saying something to uh, know what to do with that information. Yeah, it, it's pretty awesome and it, it's pretty great to be a part of it and to actually watch it come to fruition and seeing how in over the past three years, how the program has kind of blossomed and changed a little bit. Um, and there's talks of um, potentially adding a teacher component to it as well. That is great. And having spent a good number of years in Belize myself, I've, I've come to learn that uh, the people of Belize are very proud of their cultural heritage, and um, that that goes into a, a large part of the country's income as as uh, tourism and ecotourism and uh, you know tourism centered on cultural heritage. So that's that's great that it's it's going to uh, you know support things that they value really really greatly. Yeah, I mean it, it's nice because one of the few things that has come out of the project is outside of kind of the governmental level where I'm brought in as a contractor. Um, to do this work. Um, it's it's nice because the Institute and I, we have um, cartoon characters, Jen and Darren, that AICC created last year. And um, we've actually created a Institute of Archaeology in Belize so that they could use to teach kids with and take out and take pictures and kind of create a program using those as well to kind of further um, what they're already doing. And they're doing a phenomenal job of doing. Um, so I'm, you know, very proud as a person, you know, working with AITC um, to also say, hey, you know, I'm an integral part in, you know, being able to help out and continue their mission of cultural heritage, but also to be able to help in a small way, keep that going. Yeah, that is really great. So what are some of the other things that you've got coming up in the future then? So um, in July, um, well, first we have the Day of Archaeology Festival, which is our huge thing. But um, wonderfully enough, the very next day, we start our second annual um, teacher dig program, which is a joint project between Archaeology in the Community and Mount Pillar. And basically, um, to um, excuse me, teachers come down. They've already applied for the program. They come down for one week. And during this week, it's a collaboration where um, they are learning about um, archaeology actually conducting excavations and learning about um, lab procedures directly from the Mount Pillar archaeology staff. And in the afternoons, I'm sitting down with them and I'm teaching them lesson plans, how to teach archaeology in the classroom. And um, it's being broke down into a way where I'm working with different grade levels. So I'm working with anybody who's in primary school, anybody um, who's middle school, high school, and then I'm also breaking it down into um, studies. So if you're science or math and teaching them how you can teach this lesson plan on the different levels um, through different subjects, what components you can add and subtract in order to make it more applicable um, to your students. And we go through a week of that. Um, in addition to, I give them time to identify archaeological sites in their areas. Um, and these teachers are coming from all over the United States. So these just aren't um, teachers from the Mid-Atlantic region. Last year, we had um, teachers from Colorado, from Utah, um, so all over. But um, that's our next big or next two big endeavors that we're engaging in for July. That is huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 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 I can, I can understand how, uh, how you're so tired and, and strapped for time lately, <laughs> with keeping all this going on. Uh, so I'm really interested, uh, to just kind of shift gears a little bit to your, the educational aspect of it. There's, 
there's a lot on, on the public archaeology side, but it, it sounds like there's a lot of of like kind of a very focused education that goes on. What are some of the 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 teaching goals and outcomes? Like what would as as someone who's like interested in in like education and, and public archaeology, what are some of the like methods that you're using that have been particularly su- successful in in like just the teaching part of this? So when you say teaching, the, my question is, do you mean to the kids? Do you mean to adults? Do you mean to graduate students? What exactly do you mean when you say the teaching? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's it's all of the above. I guess let's let's start with the kids and and move up. Um so one of the the rare things and I think you don't find it very often in our field is that I was actually trained as an educator first. Um so I actually have a minor in secondary education and I taught um in 6th grade while I was actually getting my uh, master's degree, and then later just completely switched into archaeology. So um, one of the benefits I have is that I actually come from an education, a strong education background, and many archaeologists don't have that, um, which is why kind of some of these concepts of how to work with kids, how to teach um, on the different levels, um, things such as, you know, word banks and how those adjust and change um, per grade level, thinking about state standards, um, county standards, what are the standards in math and science? Those are all things that we don't think about because we aren't trained as educators. And for me, that's something that I focus on because it makes us a stronger entity. Um, It makes us um, more marketable, especially when talking with schools Um, other teachers, other education programs going after grants that look for um, actual education programs. Um, It's something that makes us um, pretty phenomenal at what we do um, to not toot our own horn. But um, I'm very big on making sure that whatever age group I'm working with, that I'm also trying to align the lessons, the conversation around things that they're also studying in the classroom or will be studying in the classroom that year. So those are some of the things that I think that I put into play and that, you know, some of our interns who come in and work with us, we all put into play and we think about and we're very purposeful in how we create the programs, the lessons, the curriculum um, for our various programs because we want to make sure that all of our programs have maximum input or, um, excuse me, um, maximum outcome, and that the students are gaining, I guess, the most that they possibly can. And that one thing we're not doing is teaching over them, but the other thing that we're also not doing is teaching under them, where we're not challenging um, them to think outside of the box and think creatively. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've I've seen um, a, a group of students or even a, a, a tour group of, of just interested members of the public go through an archaeology event or tour a site or something like that. And it can either be uh, going over them or under them and just kind of hitting all over the place. And it just bores them out of their skulls. And uh, so I think it's really cool that you've got a, a background in teaching and that you've got really your finger on the pulse of of how to effectively get this knowledge into people and, and, you know, what reasonable goals and outcomes even look like. So that's a really useful skill that I I think a lot of archeologists, you know, might want to, uh, 
pick up along the way, you know, just take some, some training. And when I was in grad school, I was fortunate. Uh, I was, I was a TA, uh, when I was in grad school. And so before I was allowed to teach a lecture class, I had to complete a, um, like a, a teaching seminar. And so mm-hmm. I had to go through this, this several month long course, uh, and they gave me a little certificate at the end of it. But th- there were so many things that I learned along the way that just made me kind of more uh, aware in that whenever someone, even if it's at a conference presentation, whenever someone's like really effectively conveying knowledge, I try mm-hmm. and take note on like their methods and, and stuff like that, because that has become something that is just really fascinating to me. Uh, and I think that, you know, lately the the topic of effective science communication has been uh a really hot issue with you know ar- archaeologists but also broader in the sciences um and so it's really great to see an example like archaeology in the community that's so active in you know very public facing events and and very effective um educational goals and programs and all that so you know congratulations it's really awesome thanks i mean it and it is a team i do have quite possibly i think like the most awesome team of uh interns ever and have had over the past year a really great uh group of interns who really um want to learn and really are interested in pushing um kind of the envelope and how community archaeology is being done and so they come with very creative and innovative ideas so that is great. What are some of the backgrounds of the the interns that you get working with archaeology in the community? Um, most of our interns, the majority of them are graduate students or recent um, undergraduate students who are kind of in transition. Um, so I would say on average, our interns normally work with us anywhere from three to six month um, stints. And they have traveled the world with me. Um, to teach archaeology. They have created um, videos. They have created our Jen and Darren cartoons, um, activity pages, lesson plans, pretty much everything that we have in some way, shape, or form. One of our interns has helped create, um, it, even down to our kids page. Um, I thought it was completely creative and as simple as the idea is, I never thought about it, but our original kids program, one of our interns decided to do a focus group with kids <laughs> to <laughs> tell us what you think of our website and do you like it? What do you not like? You know, tell us what we can do better. And literally our very new um, website for kids that we just launched is based on that focus group and feedback. Um, so yeah, um, they're very, very awesome and have a lot to do with the magic that happens at um, Archaeology in the Community. That is great. And I'm poking around on the kids page right now and uh, it's it's great. It's uh, it's something that I want to I want to do all the little puzzles and stuff just because it looks fun. But uh, that's amazing. And, you know, like you're you had mentioned uh, earlier when I was asking about um, you know, the, the methods and the, the goals and outcomes of, of teaching, you know, the website again is archaeologyincommunity.com. It, it's focused on every single, you know, group that can be interested in archaeology. And I'm, I'm seeing in, uh, the programs and events menu, you've got, you know, things for youth, 
things for the community, things for archaeologists, and there's it's it's very well thought out and organized too. There's there's um, you know all the ways to support archaeology in the community, and of course I can't leave this off of the show, <laughs> the apparel page because the love <laughs> the love archaeology shirt is awesome. There's thank you. <laughs> Yeah, we we wanted archaeologists and people who love archaeology to kind of give them a way to push our message without us always having to be there as archaeologists. So I figured what better way than to just, you know, run around the world telling everybody how much you love archaeology. And it apparently I've had feedback. It has started quite a few conversations. So it's working. Nice. So. Nice. Well, are there any other things that you'd like to talk about with uh, archaeology in the community or even anything else you're working on? Um, I think we covered it all, but what I would like to say is um, please check out our website. Um, even though we are a mid-Atlantic organization, um, we do have a second pilot program coming up in another uh, international location this year that we're kind of keeping a little hush-hush, and you know, um, but our webpage is designed to be global. And um, it is made so that anybody and everybody can go to and learn something. Um, we do have a community archaeology blog. Um, so anybody who is an archaeologist interested in archaeology, an archaeology student, can submit posts to our community blog. Um, it's been going for two years. It is quite popular. And we have a number of sites, methods, and um, really informative information on the blog, as well as we have a video series called The Dig. Um, where we feature different archaeological sites. So if somebody wants to visit or see a site but can't travel, you can take, go through and watch the video and get a tour and actually hear from the archaeologists excavating that site. So we really, really have tried to create um, different programs and different things where people can be active. Um, even on the graduate student level, I know we are a nonprofit, so giving money is not always feasible. Um, but giving your time and contributing and volunteering in some way, whether it's shooting one of the videos to tell the kids about what you do as a graduate student or um, writing a blog post or even answering one of our postcards for our kids for our message to an archaeologist program. All of it helps. All of it's important. And um, yeah, so please check out our website. That is so cool. <laughs> and I've, I've said it in in passing a, a few times that archaeology in the community is a model for how public archaeology programs should be done. But I, I, I didn't realize how apt that was when, when you said that you're, you're launching another international um, program. So it's the, the model of archaeology in the community uh, is really cool to see that, you know, traveling and expanding to, to other places. Yeah, we're excited. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, uh, thanks again for joining the show, Dr. Jones. I really look forward to staying in touch and uh, you know hearing more about the programs. And uh, I can't wait to see the international program get unveiled, too. All right. Thank you very much. And it was, as usual, wonderful being on the show. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Go Dig a Hole. As always, you can contact me by email at Christopher at GoDigAHole.com or on the Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. We've got all the social media bases covered, all at Go Dig a Hole. 
Don't forget to check out the blog at godigahole.com for long-form companion posts to most of the episodes. Special thanks to Louisville post-punk band Invaders for letting me use their song Dig a Hole for the show's bumper music. Check them out on Bandcamp and download their album by the same name, Dig a Hole. This show was produced and edited by me, your host, Christopher Sims. Christopher Sims.